It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Getting you ready for college and pro football. This is the Football Betting Guy with Jonathan Von Tobel. What's up, everybody? Happy Sunday to all of you. We have, uh, yes, a new show on tap replacing hardwood handicappers. NBA basketball is in the rearview mirror, of course. Summer League champion has been decided. I know you're all wondering. The Portland Trailblazers have been crowned champions. They get their rings. They will get rings. So this time slot every single Sunday going forward, football betting guide, uh, we are going to break down, as Brent said, everything from the pro and college ranks. Good show on tap today. Steve Mackinan is going to join us in 30 minutes from now. Steve Mackinan, of course, with his win total projections um, that he had both college and professional. We'll go through those, some of his power ratings. Really interesting note in terms of the college football power ratings from one Steve Mackinan about the gap between the teams at the top and the rest of the conferences and or excuse me, the rest of the teams in these respective conferences and the gap that is maybe emerging for some of these teams that we know just revamp with five-star, four-star guys. Also, Matt Eumanns joins us in the second hour, get his thoughts on his top college football win totals. We'll also start a conference previews today as we start the football show. Second hour, first up, ACC. We're going to go in alphabetical order. No real special ranking of the conferences So we'll start with the Atlantic Coast Conference at about 4 p.m. Pacific time. But we begin with some headlines in college and pro. Uh, Not a lot, right? It's July. July is the the lone month for a lot of these pro guys to get a night off, or excuse me, some time off. And uh, we don't really get a lot of movement at this time. There are some here and there, but not much. So let's start with the Cleveland Browns, because after the shoe drops with one Baker Mayfield, the next question, of course, is, well, then what happens with Jimmy Garoppolo? We do get a report. Uh, Mary Kay Cabot, the Cleveland Plain Dealer, has come out and said the Browns are going to look to add to their quarterback depth chart should the Deshaun Watson be a lengthy one. Now, what that means, too, is you can kind of read between the lines, um, right? A backup quarterback for Jacoby Brissett or adding depth to their depth chart did not really necessarily look at a guy like a Jimmy Garoppolo who's worth $24 million. Uh, in that same report, Cabot added that, quote, there's growing sentiment within league circles that Watson will play at some point this season, despite the NFL arguing for an indefinite suspension of at least the full season with a chance to apply for reinstatement afterwards. So if they go down the path of adding a free agent quarterback, what name could that be? Well, if you parse through the list of free agent quarterbacks that are available right now, um, it's really ugly. We're talking about Mike Lennon, Cam Newton, AJ McCarron, Garrett Gilbert. Uh, Chris Stravler, you remember him? Kurt Benkert. They can go right down and down the list in terms of guys who are currently available. Well, they're currently available for a reason. It wouldn't seem that there's quality depth to be had out there for the Cleveland Browns. Not a tempting list in any way whatsoever. So as everybody keeps going back to Jimmy Garoppolo, a team that Cleveland, uh, in terms of their roster, in terms of what their expectations are, 
could probably maximize their window to win this season, regardless of Deshaun Watson's suspension length, with a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo, but he's still under contract with the 49ers. Porter Spotrack still carrying that price tag of about $25 million. And, uh, you know, Browns have a lot of cap space, and they could probably add a guy like that in an acquisition. But my question has always been, why trade assets for a $25 million quarterback that won't be part of the future, or your guy, should Watson return to play at some point this season, well, maybe they won't have to. Let's hear from Michael Lombardi, of course, namesake of the Lombardi line, who talked about this just a few days ago here on VSIN about what this might look like for the San Francisco 49ers and the decision that they might have to make here by the time we get to about training camp. Uh, let's get back to the talk of the 49ers that we are having. And again, we talked about Trey Lance and whether or not he's got a dead arm situation. Jimmy Garoppolo is still there. We've talked a lot about it. We saw it in Cleveland that they just it was not going to be tenable to bring back Baker Mayfield, so they had to move on from him. The same question remains with Jimmy G. And, Michael, you know how this works with locker rooms. If he's still there at camp, and camp is getting ready to start, if he's not on another roster before camps begin, can they even bring him to camp? Or do you think they'd say, John Lynch, Kyle Shanahan say, you know what, Jimmy? This just wouldn't be smart for us to bring you back into these locker rooms and have the division begin. So we're going to keep you away, even if we haven't found a dance partner for you. I, I think that's true, because here's what's got to happen. You've got to understand the mechanics, right? So if he comes back and his shoulder isn't healthy and they fail him on the physical, they will fail him on physically unable to perform, mm. or they'll fail him on non on a non-NFI injury, which the injury is football-related. It came in the offseason. So that would put him on the PU physically unable to perform list, which still protects the 49ers' rights of walking away from the contract. See, here's what happens. If they take him back and pass him on a physical, and that shoulder isn't 100%, they're on the hook for $24 million. Oof. Okay? So they got to be very delicate here. And they've got to be very understanding about when he could take the physical, when he can't. And they've got rules to protect him based on the collective bargaining agreement. But if they pass him on the physical, those rules are no longer in place. And so now they're on the hook. So I think that I think there's a deadline here to do something. And I think ultimately, if you get right before camp and no one's made an offer to Jimmy or Jimmy's not been able to, I think they have no choice but to release Jimmy and, and oh. basically say, look, we've tried to trade him. We've tried to give him away. Nobody wants him. And we can't go any further with this. I think they're hanging on for dear life. See? Now, that becomes a little bit more tenable in my mind, right? Like, if he's going to be released, if he's going to be acquired in that way by a team like the Cleveland Browns, well, that makes a little bit more sense as a play in whatever the assets could potentially be, right? The uh, the Cleveland uh, trade of Baker Mayfield gives you an idea of what something might look like for Jimmy Garoppolo, but why give up anything if the 49ers could potentially be pressed into releasing him and then you as Cleveland can go and grab him if you want uh, by the time you get to that range of camp? So that becomes a little bit more realistic. And then you ask the question, right, like, how much better do the Cleveland Browns get if at the beginning of the season it is Jimmy Garoppolo as opposed to Jacoby Brissett? Now, the record would tell you they get immensely better, right? I think it's, what, 31-14 as a starter in the National Football League, Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, multiple, of course, conference title game appearances, gets to the Super Bowl as well. Uh, from a winning standpoint, because a lot of people just like that, uh, there is something there. But if you look at the numbers for Jimmy Garoppolo, you know we could paint a picture of a guy who 
maybe might not actually improve a team by that much. I mean, we're talking about, uh, by PFF standards at least, the 23rd best quarterback by passing grade. And yes, 8.4 yards per attempt. But the thing with Jimmy Garoppolo that drives you nuts, right? 30 turnover-worthy plays last season. He committed a turnover-worthy play on 5.1% of his dropbacks. That's second worst among quarterbacks uh, in the National Football League last year who dropped back at least 176 times. You know who's worse? It was Mike Glennon, who's one of those free agent quarterbacks that we're talking about that's currently available right now if the Browns are going to go in that direction. Under pressure, he was really bad. We're talking about a PFF grade of 26.3, 18 turnover-worthy plays on those snaps in which he was under pressure, an eight-touchdown-to-nine interception ratio there, and even on play-action passes, which you would assume, right, hey, Jimmy Garoppolo probably thrives there, thrives in structure, really good running game for San Francisco. He probably did pretty well there. Four touchdowns, three interceptions, and a turnover-worthy play rate of 7.2%. So, and look, like Cleveland's a team that when you look at their offensive line, when you look at the pieces all around this offense, if you get a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo to operate within structure, uh, this is a team that could potentially be very solid at the beginning of this year, and then whatever happens with their quarterback situation going forward in terms of Watson, right? We're kind of viewing this just through the prism of adding Jimmy Garoppolo, maximizing your window for whether, whether it be this entire season or just the parts in which Watson will not be available. It, it makes some sense to a certain extent, but the numbers kind of tell you that maybe Jimmy Garoppolo isn't worth that much in terms of adding to win probability, in terms of adding to win total. So maybe, in the big picture, it's not worth acquiring the or you know, shipping off the assets for them. So if it's not going to be Cleveland, then where could it eventually be? Well, there's a couple of options, right? At one point, the odds for Jimmy Garoppolo, if you shopped around in global markets, but Houston Texans, for example, were one of the favorites to land him. Uh, but to me, it doesn't make any sense for the Houston Texans to grab him, right? It's a team that really doesn't have a window, right? You don't want to maximize your window to win games if you're the Houston Texans. And John McClain, a big-time Houston insider who said this uh, works for Sports Radio 610, uh, already said something to this effect. Quote, a couple of days ago, they, being the Texans, have no interest. They're sold on Davis Mills from Stanford at least being a starter going into the season. Again, is Davis Mills going to be the guy going forward? Who knows? But are you going to roll out Davis Mills and see if you can get a home, hit a home run with him? And if he's good, not good, guess what? we got a whole bunch of draft picks. We want to get further down the board. That's fine. And if he, Davis Mills, can do it, that's great for them. If he can't, they have two number one picks, including Cleveland's. 11 picks overall right now to help them acquire a quarterback in a great quarterback draft. And Mike Florio, I think, do we have this one, Ortega? I sent this one in late. Yep. So let's hear from Mike Florio because it's funny. You listen to a whole bunch of voices, right? One voice, John McClain says no. Mike Florio says something else when it comes to the Texans. I think the Texans are waiting for him. I really do. I think the Texans may have been the team that was poised to trade for him. Remember at one point it slipped out. They had a trade ready to go, and then Jimmy G gets shoulder surgery, and it fell apart. And when they presented that, there was kind of a weird unspoken vibe that they believe that once he's cleared, that that, that possibility reemerges. Well, everybody else that was looking for a quarterback that we know of, address their situation. The Texans didn't. They've been selling this idea that Davis Mills is their guy. Davis Mills is their guy. A lot of tentacles between Garoppolo and the Texans front office dating back to their mutual time with the New England Patriots. Nick Casario, the GM of the Texans, was the, the primary personnel table setter for Bill Belichick back when Garoppolo was drafted via round two in 2014. So it just makes too much sense. I think he's going to end up with the Texans. I don't think it makes any sense, right? Like, if you're the Texans, why in the world would you want to win as many games as possible? Uh, again, it just it, that doesn't just kind of jive with the thinking of how you want to build your franchise going forward. It, it, let's say Jimmy Garoppolo does add to your your probability of winning games, whether it be you think it's one, whether it's a half, whatever it is. What's the point of a team in the Houston Texans trying to do that? 
in an AFC which is absolutely loaded in terms of depth, maybe not Super Bowl contenders, but a bunch of teams who could totally make the postseason. And again, you look at some of the numbers of the Houston Texans. The win total is four and a half to make the playoffs. It's sixteen to one. They're a, they're a thirty-five dollar favorite minus thirty-five hundred to miss out on the playoffs. It just would not make sense in that regard for te- the te- Houston Texans to try to do that. Now, the other teams that are thrown out there with the Seattle Seahawks, it would make the most sense. For some reason, the Seahawks think their their window can be maximized because they believe that they have a shot at maybe winning some games. A lot of us don't think that's going to be the case. Um, and I guess it kind of does. If you look at the quarterback depth chart, Drew Locke, Geno Smith, the trade to a division rival doesn't really drive. But again, going back to Lombardi's clip, if the 49ers are forced to release him, then maybe there's an avenue for Seattle to do so with, again, not shipping off assets and not dealing with a division rival. Uh, Let's let's put a bow on this for now. When we come back, I'll tease it like this. There might be a dark horse team out there that is waiting to snatch up Jimmy Garoppolo if he becomes available via free agency. We'll tell you who that team is in the NFC. And also in the NFC, a team that is 40-1 to win a title with potentially a quarterback capable of doing so. That's coming up next here on your brand new show on Sundays from 3 to 5 p.m. Pacific time. That would be the Football Betting Guide here on VSEN. is the football betting guy with Jonathan Von Tobel. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr. and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Call this year's Derby and you could win big in the T-Mobile Home Run Derby Prediction Pool. Enter and take a swing at your share of $25,000 in prizes and a trip to the World Series presented by Capital One. Visit DraftKings.com slash T-Mobile to make your free predictions. T-Mobile, you deliver outstanding wireless experiences, terms and conditions, and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. You know, every time, so we have this copy that we use, so every time I see the link in there, with uh, like www, I do wonder if people still out there type in like www dot before they enter hyperlinks. I would assume the average age of somebody who does that is a little bit higher. Um, that's just a guess. It's not a shot at age. All right, uh, let's wrap up what we're talking about with Jimmy Garoppolo really quickly because again, this is kind of the last, uh, I guess, one of the last like, quarterback shoes to drop here when it comes to um, you know availability, switching teams. Garoppolo has been up there with a uh, Baker Mayfield, and he has a team. Well. The, the Dark Horse team that I mentioned potentially, this was mentioned a couple of days ago, David Carr, who works for the NFL Network, uh, threw it out there in terms of a Dark Horse to land it. Well, that would be Jimmy Garoppolo and the New York Giants. Uh, said Carr, quote, uh, initially thought that Brian Dable would make a move for Mitchell Trubisky when he was available because you don't necessarily know what you have in Daniel Jones. Now with Jimmy, I think the issue is his shoulder, and that's obviously an issue for a lot of people. Nobody really knows. I think what teams are going to do, you know, the first or second preseason game, kind of jiving, by the way, the timeline that Lombardi threw out there. If Jimmy gets in for San Francisco, just kind of see, uh, does he look healthy? But regardless, you're looking at this and saying, eh, I think you might see the Giants make a move. Jimmy G can win some games for somebody. He absolutely can still play at a high level. Won a lot of games in San Francisco. I think the only issue is his health. If he's healthy, then very possibly the Giants can make a move. Not sure about that either. I mean, it would make sense in terms of, again, a team that maybe wants to maximize a window that they think they might have. I think the bigger question you have if you're the New York Giants, I'm not a general manager, but the way I would handle it, I want to find out if I've got a quarterback here uh, in Daniel Jones, right, that we spend assets on, a high asset on, uh, to see if he is our guy. And look, the Giants, I think, are some, and they're a team that intrigues me, and when we get to the NFC East, we'll talk more about them, obviously, uh, with a win total of seven, that I think has some upward mobility for a team that might be a little bit better than most expect. And Daniel Jones at times, especially that stretches throughout last year, was solid in terms of his play for the New York Giants. You saw some of the flashes that he could be a starting quarterback in the National Football League. I, I think the Giants are a really intriguing team, but I, I think if you're New York, again, we talk about timelines and where you want to be, it just doesn't really match up with a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo, who again is kind of like either a stopgap if you're transitioning to a younger guy or the guy who could be the missing piece, if you will, or the guy who's going to push you over the top, make your roster just that bit better because everything around it is going to be really good. So with that, we move on. Uh, but we always talk about quarterbacks because it's football, and it's the most important position, especially in the National Football League. They're the stars. So I mentioned a team that is 40-1 to 1 to win a title and is a quarterback of capable of just doing that. Well, I think that would be one of the most disappointing teams in 2021, and that was the Minnesota Vikings. Finished 8-9. and nine. Uh, a total point differential of minus one. They led by, remember this stat. This was one of my favorite stats for the regular season last year. Um, remember, they led by seven or more points in the first 11 games of the season, but posted a five and six record in those contests. The only NFL team to do so in the history of the league. The result, of course, as we know, Mike Zimmer gets fired, front office gets cleaned out. And so we could have a positive shift here after it was reported Zimmer you know, openly complaining about Kirk Cousins and meetings, maybe a little bit of a negative kind of vibe around the team as well. We see this a lot uh, where, you know, you get rid of the negativity and maybe sometimes there's a push forward. And I would say that at least one person thinks this is going to be a positive for Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings. Let's hear from Ben Lieber, former Viking on CBS Sports Radio just a few days ago when it comes to the change now that Zimmer is out of the building. I think that Kirk can win this team a Super Bowl. And I don't think that he's one of those guys that has to have everything perfect like they say. I think he's going to finally thrive, really thrive, 
in a system in a coach that actually respects him. I mean, it's there. It's not like I'm breaking news here that that um, Mike Zimmer did not like Kirk Cousins, and you know, I think that that showed in the way that Kirk behaved and the way that he carried himself. It was never given. The team was never given to him, or he was never allowed to earn the trust of the team because the head coach, I think, uh, just didn't like him. So for those who don't know anything about me as a football guy, uh, one of the things that humans and I talk about all the time, especially in years past, is uh, I have been more pro-Kirk pro Cousins than non. Uh, and, and I think, too, it's not that I think he's like one of the best quarterbacks to ever play football, but I also think he is somewhat undersold in his effectiveness as a quarterback. And, I mean, look, you look at some of the numbers, I think it's a fascinating situation because Cousins last year specifically was statistically, was specified statistically, one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. If you look at like a PFF passing grade standpoint, fourth best grade, 86.8. You want to go to another form of measurement, football outsiders, DVOA metric, by quarterbacks, he was the eighth best. A touchdown to interception ratio of 4.7 for Kirk Cousins last year. He led the league in PFF passing grade on play action passes in 91.1. He threw 12 touchdowns to three interceptions on nine yards per attempt on play action passes. He finished tied for 11th in turnover-worthy play rate, just a turnover-worthy play on 2.8% of his dropbacks. He threw just seven interceptions as a whole. Like, there's a real intrigue, I think, behind a guy like Kirk Cousins and what the Minnesota Vikings could be. Now, I wanted to bring this up for a couple of reasons. One, to just kind of to get you ready for when we talk about the NFC North, uh, a team that I might be a little bit higher on, and I will fully admit, too, by the way, uh, burned me last year because, at least in terms of futures, I got, at the time, what was a pretty good number on them to win the NFC. I think it was in the range of about 40-1, to uh, but the ultimately, we know what happened at the end of the year. But I also got curious, and we can go over some of the numbers for Minnesota, right? We'll get to them in depth in a couple of shows, but a win total of nine. Uh, it's a pick for them to make the playoffs. They have the second-best odds in the NFC North to win that thing at plus 265, 21 to win the NFC, 40-1 to, to win the Super Bowl. But it got me kind of thinking, right? Like, given how statistically strong Cousins was last season, you know, where he stacks up in some of these prop markets and just in general in terms of quarterbacks. So I wanted to start with looking at most passing yards. And we'll kind of take this theme in this show as the Sundays progress, right? Diving into season long um, prop markets, most passing yards, passing touchdowns, things like that. I try to differentiate some maybe good candidates. But we wanted to start with passing yards because Cousins was actually up there in terms of passing yards last season. He did finish ninth, uh, well behind Tom Brady, who ended up leading the regular season in passing yards with 5,316. And Cousins is a little bit further down the board, 18 to 1 to lead the league in passing yards. So uh, let's take a look at this market as a whole because it, it is, as all of these are, pretty interesting. And there's some. I think some shots you can take, and when I say shots, like 10-ish to one, uh, in a guy to lead the league in passing yards, right? And the odds for passing leaders, you expect, kind of lead up with the leaders from last season. Uh, biggest jump would be Derek Carr, and I think we know right. Oh, why, right? Devontae Adams joins the crew, so Derek Carr is now your fourth-best choice via DraftKings. Or we'll call it third, actually, because Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes are the same odds. So at the top, you have Justin Herbert at plus 650, Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes at 8-1, to one, Derek Carr 10-1, to one, as is Matthew Stafford, Joe Burrow is 12-1 to one with Josh Allen, Dak Prescott, 14, Aaron Rodgers, 16, Russell Wilson, 18, Kirk Cousins, 18, and then you get a little bit of a gap in some of the other guys like Matt Ryan's at 25 to 1. In terms of your leaders last year, outside of Tom Brady, who finished first, Justin Herbert was second, just about 300 yards behind him. Matthew Stafford came up in third at 4,886, and then Patrick Mahomes and Derek Carr rounded out the top five. So, candidates for this, and I don't think it's any surprise uh, that one of the top options for this is Justin Herbert, and I actually agree. Uh, he is the favorite to win this award, and if you're going short, he is the name that I had circled coming into this, thinking that maybe this is going to be a candidate to do so, and you can look around and find better numbers. But as I mentioned, second in passing yards last year, and attempts, keep that in mind too, 
uh, coming into his second year, Joe Lombardi's offense. So you'd assume some very similar baselines in terms of how this offense is run. We're talking about passing attempts, rate of passes, all that kind of stuff. And the Chargers have an elite wide receiver duo too. We're talking about Keenan Allen's, Mike Williams, or Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. Left side of the offensive line, arguably one of the stronger ones uh, in the conference and in the NFL. Corey Lindsley at center, Matt Filer, Rashad Sl- Slater at left tackle. So he has all these pieces around him that work really well. And then there's the other aspect that I always think is really important when you're talking about diving into some of these markets, right? Because I, I think a lot of the times we look at these markets, we get pretty simplistic with it. Like, he's going to throw the ball a lot. Yeah. Well, think of mine, too. Their divisional opponents, the Chargers, last year ranked no higher than 20th in pass defense DVOA. So even given a reasonable jump in efficiency, his six opponents are average secondaries at best. Um, and again, shop around, man, because you see some of these numbers up here. You can find Herbert in the range of 650. So that's definitely worth looking around. It's a much better number than the 4-1 to that's up there at the screen at this point right now. And their non-divisional opponents are also on the back end of defensive rankings, the Chargers, when you're talking about secondary play. Jacksonville, Houston, Seattle, Atlanta. So all these things kind of put together. Solid offensive line play. Some relatively weak secondaries on the schedule. Uh, an offense that, like, that builds itself to potentially doing this. I think Herbert's going to be at the top of that list. And Derek Carr, too, the obvious candidate in the addition of Devontae Adams. The new offensive system as well here for the Raiders under Josh McDaniels. There could be more opportunities for Carr. 512 yards short of the lead, so he's got to make up a little bit of ground. But fifth in attempts, and you do wonder how much more aggressive Josh McDaniels gets. And the other factor, I think, that works in Derek Carr's favor to potentially lead the league in passing yards is I'm not sure this running game is going to be very good. I think it's going to be a relatively weak one. The offensive line has some questions. Uh, last year, it was a below-average running game in terms of efficiency. Don't think it's going to be much better this year. Again, talking about facing secondaries in the AFC West, um, outside of the Chargers, which rate pretty well, uh, you have some questions there in terms of their opponents and on their schedule that you could rack up those. So when you're talking about Adams, new offensive mind, lackluster running game, could add up to a aggressive passing attack. And by the way, deep and intermediate passes, Carr was one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL last year. Passes 10 to 19 yards, 1,500 yards, nine touchdowns, three interceptions, and over 1,000 yards on deep passes, 81 attempts, 20 or more yards, seven touchdowns. So there's some room there. So for me, at least, two AFC West quarterbacks uh, at the top of the list in terms of candidates to lead the league in passing yards. All right, we'll come back. We have a lot more to get to in terms of the National Football League. We'll get to like some handicapping philosophy stuff uh, on the other side, actually, in 15 minutes from now. But on the other side, Steve Mackinnon, editor of Point Spread Weekly. Let's go through some of his win projection totals, both NFL and college, and see what he came up with in terms of maybe some plays to make in the future sport. This is the Football Betting Guy with Jonathan Von Tobel. Baseball predictions made brighter. Join the Born in a Ballpark Challenge presented by Blue Moon to compete free for cash all season. In a weekly prediction pools to fight for your share of $62,500 in total cash prizes, head to DraftKings.com slash Blue Moon now to join the action. Blue Moon made brighter. 21 and older only. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Please drink responsibly. It is the football betting guide. By the way, minus 5,000 that at some point I refer to the show as Hardwood Handicappers or a name that is not uh, the football betting guide. But Steve Mackinnon, minus 5,000 that you're going to enjoy this spot. Editor of Point Spread Weekly. He's nice enough to give us some time here today. Steve, uh, we were just talking about this off the air, uh, but football season's pretty much here. I deem this now the start of football season. We're at the All-Star break with Major League Baseball, basketball, and hockey well in the rearview mirror. Uh, it is now time to get – we're like, what, four weeks away from the Hall of Fame game? I think even less. Yeah, uh, usually first week of August. You know, I tell you what, the uh, 
appropriate name for your show here today because uh, our digital publication team is feverishly working on the college football betting guide, which should be out here in uh, about a week or so. And uh, a few weeks later, we will be bringing the uh, NFL guide. So uh, obviously, football is is coming. It's coming fast. Yep, and uh, that's fitting as well because I'm working on the Mountain West for the college football betting guide. So. Uh, yes, a lot of work to get done. So uh, there's a lot to start with. I wanted to start in the National Football League with you and kind of dovetailing off what we were discussing right before you came on. You know, I played a clip from Ben Lieber, right? And he, he made a comment that, hey, look, I, I think now that Mike Zimmer's gone, the Minnesota Vikings with Kirk Cousins can't potentially win a Super Bowl. Zimmer didn't like the guy. All this kind of stuff that leads into the Vikings uh, being a little bit better than giving credit for. And I think the Vikings are actually better uh, to, than the market gives them credit for, right? Because Kirk Cousins, statistically last year, Steve, was a really solid guy. So I wanted to use that to dive into your NFL win total and projections. Before we get to the, specifically the Vikings, though, walk everybody through how you write, you know, write these up, project these out in terms of NFL teams, your power ratings, and how you project for a season. Well, uh, for both college and pro, I go through a, a sort of an in-depth process each uh, spring and uh, early summer where I go through the coaching changes made, uh, different personnel moves, uh, the transitional systems. I like to look at basically uh, looking at some key stats from the prior season and how they may transition into this current season. Uh, and then uh, a couple other factors. And then at the end, when I'm done with both of the levels of football, I put together my power ratings uh, for the beginning of the season. And uh, then I, I run them against the, uh, the schedule coming up to uh, – project out the wins and see how they match up against the season win totals offered by the books. How much uh, did the 17th game uh, add a wrinkle for you in terms of the NFL? Well, not much in terms of, of the data preparation. I mean, it's just adding another game. Uh, yeah. uh, I could see how it did uh, it threw a wrinkle into many other facets of, of the history of the NFL, but uh, in terms of handicapping, not a whole lot different. All right. So part of, uh, and you can find all these write-ups again, of Eason.com points per weekly, but we, of course, talk about win totals, right? That's the big one. And I brought up the Minnesota Vikings. So let's talk about some teams expected to win more games than maybe expected here. And the top team for you when it came to your projections was Minnesota, correct? Well, that was one of my favorite plays here. Now, if you look at the uh, the actual, when I ran the numbers against the schedule, I, I think uh, it's no mistake that Buffalo is projected to win the most games. Mm -hmm. uh, but as far as the biggest improvements go, yeah, you look at teams like uh, like Minnesota, uh, team that lost a lot of close games last year that usually that plays out pretty well towards the next season you added the the, the zimmer factor here it sounds like things were just off the walls in the in the locker room in there so uh starting fresh from that slate so uh minnesota's definitely got a lot of good things going from you look at that division you obviously got green bay as the favorite but uh the bottom half of the division is uh definitely a lot of winnable games there for the vikings and is there, we tend to do this all the time, right? I know you have your projections, but you mentioned a key thing for me with Minnesota, which is their record in close wins, right? They did not perform very well when those games that were within a single score. I brought up the stat when we were talking about them earlier. The fact that in the first 11 games, Steve, they had a seven point or more record, or excuse me, a seven point or more lead in the first 11 games. They were still five and six in those contests. Outside of your projections, those are all kind of signs for teams that have a bounce back positively coming for them in terms of negative losses in terms of close games and also showing success but not necessarily being able to hold on to those games. Yeah, that's just one of the things. Now, you, you, you touch on something important there that you talk about the power ratings and then you also talk about this type of transitional handicapping by looking at maybe how this team did last year. 
it's not just a matter of looking at some ratings that are put up on a sheet and saying this is this team is going to be good because you could three weeks from now or three weeks from the start of the season Minnesota's power rating could be three three or four points higher than it is if they get off to a great start so you, you have to look at the strength of the teams uh, maybe any additions they made or, or or maybe how they lost games there's a there's a huge recipe that goes into uh, maybe projecting out season win totals. All right, so we're going to preview the NFC West in the second hour, so it's fitting because there's a couple of teams that pop up uh, in your projections in terms of expected wins and losses, or excuse me, to win less, we'll put it that way. Uh, first up, let's talk about teams expected to win more games. I was surprised to see Seattle here. I think they're a relative unknown in terms of what we're going to see here. Uh, they're a team that I think believes in themselves in terms of we're better than we expect, and Pete Carroll and such, they have said that, and I think their moves have said that with Drew Locke and their acquisitions they made in terms of the trade. So what what did your projection say about Seattle when it comes to their expected wins versus the market? Again, these numbers that we're kind of talking about win total-wise, courtesy of DraftKings. Yeah, this is an interesting one. Uh, I know Seattle, every year I think this, oh, this is the year the uh, era is going to end. And uh, mm-hmm. obviously with Wilson gone, there's a good chance it could be now. However, they're, they're not talking as if that's the case. Uh, they believe in their defense. They believe in some of the younger players they got. They've they've unloaded some salary to pick up. I don't know if you want to say more depth of talent. So it's it's an interesting case here with with Seattle. It, it is a tough division. Uh, I'm not ready to just go crazy and think this team is going to be a playoff contender at this point, especially with the weakness mm-hmm. at quarterback or unanswered questions. But uh, I think there's a reasonable chance they could beat their five and a half win prop. See, and the other team that you have here as we transition to top four teams expected to win less games uh, than the win total prop available, I, I do wonder where the market confidence comes from with San Francisco, right? Especially if we were to believe the noise that Jimmy Garoppolo's on his way out. Trey Lance, and albeit a very short sample size, uh, did not amaze. Uh, a lot of his statistical numbers were relatively poor below average, and yet this is a team that's in the range of 9.5, 10, Steve, and it seems really high for a team that at the most important position has one of the biggest question marks, and it seems like your projections are great. Can I just say I agree with you, John? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much as simple as that, what you just said there. I mean, the, the, it, without Garoppolo, that's a huge question mark at, at quarterback. And uh, I, I don't know if you if you look at the, the top of that division with Kyler Murray and uh, Matt Stafford, uh, I, a quarterbackless San Francisco team, uh, how they're going to keep up. Yep, and for your for your uh, win less than games in prop DraftKings ten, your projections had at eight point seven, so a difference of one point three wins. Uh, that's a pretty sizable difference and a pretty big edge in terms of your numbers. Uh, let's go to a couple more teams uh, in terms of uh, the NFL, and actually we'll transition to college. But the one I wanted to focus on here, Cincinnati. I think a lot of people believe that the Bengals are set up for success. They have made some offseason moves to potentially um, extend the success that they had last year. But your projections think the market finds them a little overvalued in terms of win total, no? Yeah, I agree. I'm going to put San Francisco and Cincinnati sort of in a similar uh, category here as a couple teams that may have caught lightning in a bottle uh, in the playoffs last season. And starting with a, a, a new slate here, it's it's not easy to to replicate that type of success years in a row. So I have uh, Cincinnati still finishing over 500 and 9 and 8 based upon running the power ratings against the schedule, but uh, that would come up short of the 10 number posted on them. All right, let's transition to college football. Last couple of minutes here with uh, Steve Mackinnon. Uh, So first off, I wanted to ask you, you note in in your write-up about these before you get to the actual projections and some of the the win totals, more or less, uh, when you talk about it seems like this gap between like these top power-rated teams and others, 
it does seem that they're like we're talking about Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, that these are some highly power rated teams and the rest of the other teams are just kind of fighting for that second tier. Is that kind of the case? That's absolutely the case this season. Now, I thought last year and I talked about this prior to the se- to the last season uh, that it could have been a season where there were maybe a, a, a little bit of turning over the apple cart to some of the teams on the fringe had a better chance here because of the uh, vast amount of returning experience uh, that was playing prior to last season. That's a totally different ball game this year. Uh, most of these teams are inexperienced. And uh, uh, so you're going to go back and look at the talent gap. Who, who has the talent? Who brings in the top recruits? And uh, I, I don't think you have to look much further than uh, Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, Clemson for, for that type of uh, logic. And uh, I see probably at least three of those teams uh, in the playoff at the end. And, you know, we got our last for like 45 seconds or so, but the team I keep going back to for a high win total, Ohio State, I think they've got everything in front of them to have a successful regular season. It seems like you believe the same, right? Yeah, can you imagine any team scoring more points than this yep. that group this season? It's hard to believe anybody can. So uh, it's certainly a, a good year. It looks on tap for the Buckeyes. Steve Mackin, an editor of Point Spread Weekly. Again, everything we're talking about here up on the website, vcin.com. Points per weekly, and as you mentioned, uh, the college and pro football guides on the way, Steve. So we're excited for those and always excited to work on them. Thanks for the time today, man. Really appreciate it. Uh, thank you, John. Jonathan. Uh, have a good show. You got it, man. Thank you very much. Again, visa.com, all of these up there for you if you want to check them out in both the respective NFL and college football areas up on the website. Very much a tool worth using. And by the way, you don't want to just follow them verbatim. That's fine. You can use them against your own numbers and see where you and Steve uh, compare. When we come back, uh, let's talk a little bit more about We'll talk about philosophy. I want to talk a little bit about market power ratings, something I really like to use every single year in the National Football League. This is the Football Betting Guy with Jonathan. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr. And I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back. And joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray, rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. 
And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Von Tobel. VEASAN Summer Specials here, folks. Only 19 bucks is going to get you everything VEASAN has to offer from now to the end of July. You sign up today, you're going to get VEASAN's Daily Best Bets. That includes Adam Burke's Daily Major League Baseball Best Bets, NFL preseason coverage. How about that, man? First weekend of August is almost here. Hall of Fame games around the corner. Premium articles in golf, UFC, USFL, and NASCAR. If you want the full VEASAN experience, which features a Daily Best Bets email, every edition of Point Spread Weekly, use of our betting tools, and a live video stream whenever you want it. The cost is only $19 to be a subscriber. Through July 31st, sign up now at VEASAN.com slash summer. Yeah, uh, certain spots, by the way, actually have week one the entire day of the preseason up already in terms of betting lines. Now, getting involved this early when you have no idea how that's going to go, kudos to you, uh, but I would want to wait for a little bit more information when it comes to those. But either way, preseason right around the corner. So you heard it, football betting guide. For those just tuning in wondering what this is, we're going to be here every single Sunday. Um, of course, that means leading up to the football season, going to be on for two hours and have a lot of coverage, both college and pro, as we get ready uh, for these seasons, which are quickly approaching. So with that, I wanted to do something. And for those who have anybody who has like taken in the show, whether it be The Edge, something like that, uh, this is going to be an exercise that might seem familiar. But since we're doing a football show, I wanted to share an exercise that I usually do and on a week-to-week basis in the National Football League that kind of helps you get an idea of where the market is in terms of power rating teams in the National Football League, gives you an idea of where they're at. You compare and contrast them to your own power ratings if you have them, and then you can see if you're higher on the market, or excuse me, higher on a certain team than the market, lower, et cetera. You go on from there, and you can also pick little spots uh, of some value potentially that you can bet on. So let's we'll walk through this, and it's a pretty simple um, it's a pretty simple exercise, right? What you do is, first, you want to decide how you want to handle home field. And for this exercise, I decided to use one point for home field. Uh, last year, Steve Mackin, actually one of those write-ups that we're talking about for a point spread weekly, uh, did the math last year. Depending on who you ask, home field came out to about one and a half points. He uses 1.6. So for this exercise, to give us nice round numbers at least, uh, we went with the exercise of using one. What you, go, what you do from there is, it's relatively simple, is then you just subtract home field from the betting lines, you get an idea of the difference between these two teams that you're talking about, and you put them on a couplet, and you put them, and you rate them. Now, the numbers you're going to see on the side, relatively subjective, right, in terms of 88, 87. Uh, those are just a scale that I like to use for this exercise. But let's throw these up and give you an idea of what I'm talking about and walk through everything because it's a relatively simple. So you see there, and I don't think anybody would argue, right? If I were to ask you who the three best teams are in the National Football League, I think a lot of people would come into an agreement that it's the Bills, Rams, and Buccaneers. Maybe in that order, maybe you think there's a slight difference here. But let's walk through this first exercise, right? So again, using one point for home field, the Bills and Rams are playing one another on the first day of the NFL regular season. Well, the Rams are a one-point favorite. So if you subtract that there, then you're getting that the Bills and the Rams power rated equally by the market. And you kind of spin off from that, and you get where these teams are at. Now, as you kind of look throughout this list, and this is where you kind of get to some of the differences, where you can find some spots of value, uh, let's go down a little bit further on the list, and we'll focus on one team first. And that would be the Seattle Seahawks. Okay, They're on the 82 line there. Uh, in their first matchup, as we know, uh, on um, uh, this first weekend, uh, they are – what are we talking about here? Project out in terms of their um, – their betting line. Regardless, um, when you look at where they're at, and I'll get to that in a moment, but where they're at in terms of the power rating, right, and the teams that they are equal to, 
Would you say, and they're taking on the Broncos, by the way, uh, would you say that the Seahawks are a point worse than the Arizona Cardinals or equal to the Tennessee Titans? Uh, when you talk about taking on the Denver Broncos in their matchup too, right? The revenge game for Russell Wilson on a neutral. Would you say that they were only about four points worse than the Denver Broncos? I think a lot of people would believe that the Seattle Seahawks probably rate at this point a little bit worse uh, than where they're stacked out in terms of this market power rating. So like that's the first example for me that I circle, and it's actually going back to what we were talking about with Steve Mackinnon, why I was somewhat surprised seeing that, according to his projections, they were projected to actually win more games than the market was getting them credit for because I think initially when you look at some of these market power ratings and you rate them out, I, I, I think you can make an argument that the Seattle Seahawks are somewhat overvalued. Now, here's the thing. You can also make the argument the other way, right? That's from my own projections and my own looking at this that I think Seattle maybe is a little overvalued by the betting market. And they're about a four-and-a-half-point underdog uh, on their home floor or home field. See, look, at I'm in basketball mode. I'm going to say home floor like a bunch of times, I bet. Uh, but for me, that's a play that I have circled, which, you know what? Just given the fact that the market's a little high on Seattle, according to my numbers as well, that maybe the Broncos are worth a play in a matchup like that against them when it comes to week one. At the same time, though, if you want to argue the inverse, according to your numbers, maybe the Denver Broncos are being rated a little too high by the betting market, right? And take a look at that, too. If you look at it from a market power rating standpoint, the market would tell you, again, using one point as home field, that the Broncos are equal to the Chargers and the 49ers, uh, that they're just a point worse than the Green Bay Packers, just two points worse than the Bills, the Rams, the Buccaneers. You can make a really strong argument that the market has overvalued the Denver Broncos. But it's a really short way to kind of look at this exercise and kind of project in comparison with some of these numbers. And th there's a little bit further, right? For example, I think what's really interesting is a team like the San Francisco 49ers. That's something that we talked about with Steve Mackinnon uh, in terms of the market maybe being too high on them. Mackinnon's projections, uh, they were one, the total win total that's out there, 1.3 wins higher than what Steve's projections come out to be. So let's take a look at this list one more time, and we'll give another example of this, right? So San Francisco, according to the market power ratings, Equal to the Chargers, equal to the Denver Broncos, a point worse than the Green Bay Packers, a point worse than the Kansas City Chiefs, the San Francisco 49ers, right? a team that might not have Jimmy Garoppolo when it comes to the start of the regular season, and maybe only two points worse than the Bills, Rams, and Buccaneers. For me, as somebody who is projecting this out as Trey Lance being the starting quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers by the time we get to week one, that's really strong for San Francisco when you have a very, very big unknown when it comes to Trey Lance. So this is where this exercise comes in, right? The San Francisco 49ers are playing the Chicago Bears. They're on the road. They're six-and-a-half-point favorites. Again, using round numbers, if you're using one for home field, that would make them five-and-a-half points worse. Now, for this exercise to find a round number, given the fact that this is not sitting on a key number, I rounded this down to five. So the San Francisco 49ers would be five points worse than the Chicago Bears. Keep in mind, though, right, these are power ratings. So you can't just put these wherever you want. These are called couplets. So if the San Francisco 49ers are five points worse than a team, you can't just move this thing around willy-nilly. So let's say, for example, we have the 49ers there with the Chargers and Broncos. If you think the San Francisco 49ers are better, that means you got to move the Bears up too because, remember, that's a number. They're five points better than them. So if we're moving the 49ers up, let's say, to 87, well, that means you got to move the Bears up to 82. So you can see how this exercise kind of helps you. So putting this all together – I think the 49ers are rated worse than the Chargers and the Broncos and, hell, even the Cowboys. I think they're on probably a little bit more of an equal scale than let, with, let's say, a team like the Cardinals, the Raiders, the Browns, maybe even the Seahawks, the Titans. So that would give you an idea that, hey, you know what? 
maybe the San Francisco 49ers by the betting market right now are being a little overvalued and thus circle the Chicago Bears for week one when they take on the San Francisco 49ers as six and a half point underdogs. And you can also wait and project. So, for example, right, with the Chicago Bears, you want to bet them at six and a half? At this point, probably not. Maybe you wait for the market, which is probably more than likely going to come in, disp- you know, if barring anything you know, injury-wise happening for the San Francisco 49ers and or the Chicago Bears. And there's a pretty good shot that by the time we get to week one, that thing's going to get driven up to like seven. So you just sit back and you wait. But for me, the two games that I have circled uh, would be Seattle taking on Denver and potentially playing Denver in that spot. And also the 49ers taking on Chicago and having Chicago circled in that spot, playing against the value of both teams. I think the market might be a little too high on Seattle. I think the market uh, might be a little too high on San Francisco, thus playing against them in both instances. And you can go around there and look, and you can find instances, right? For example, I mentioned the Giants, I think, have some intrigue as a team. And I think when you talk about them from a rating standpoint, are they like one of the worst teams in the National Football League? I mean, right there, as the market really does not like this, the Houston Texans, on a neutral field, are the Giants only two points better than the Houston Texans? I would argue that they're probably better than that. So again, when you do this on a week-to-week basis and you get an idea of where the market's at and you juxtapose it with your own power ratings, you can just get an idea of where betters are at as a whole. And this is from one book too, by the way, using one point for home court. So you get an idea if you can do it with multiple shops and everything like that, but it does give you an idea of how the market rates these teams. And keep in mind too, with the National Football League, these numbers are, you don't call it static, there's probably a half point difference pretty much everywhere else, but it just gives you an idea of where you stack up with where the betting market stacks up, and you can really find some valuable spots and start betting on teams. For example, last year, when the Patriots went on that run of covering games and winning them, the, the market was really low on them from a market rating standpoint. It was something that I had found, and I, I bet on the Patriots frequently during that run. Should have bet on every single one of them, uh, but that's not the case. For five consecutive weeks, I was on the New England Patriots because they didn't feel the market had caught up, and part of that was found by doing market power ratings. And I just think it's a really useful exercise to, to start to do as we get closer and closer to the NFL season. So that's the market power ratings for week one. And we can update these uh, as we go along. All right, second hour on the other side, uh, we'll get to our college football conference previews, the ACC up on deck, Clemson and odds on favorite to win the ACC championship game. We'll get into that, what the bounce back is like for them after a very disappointing year and a disappointing offensive year for them. And DJ Uyangale also, Matt Humans will join us as we get his thoughts on his college football win totals that he's got in the bank. And we'll get some open thoughts, too. I know he's pretty happy about the result. And we get into the nitty-gritty of our NFC West preview as we'll break down each of the four teams and what their chances are not only winning the division, but the big picture as we evaluate those rosters and more. It is the Football Betting Guide here on Visa and the Sports Betting Network. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff. Are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is 
finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.